Last week we had a, uh, God interrupted the service. And wasn't it awesome? Wasn't it awesome? I pray all the time. We come, you know, we do study and rehearsals and prayer to be ready for these, this hour together. But it is always about a thousand times better when God interrupts it. It was just so strong last week and thankful for it. But I'm going to pick back up where we left off in our Gatekeeper series today. Because everybody in this room, if you've lived long enough, have pain, have had pain. I mean, some indescribable, some of you are in that pain today. I know Jason's playing guitar in a lot of pain. Physical pain, emotional pain, relationship pain, being hurt by others' pain. It just seems to be a part of our life. I found out, because I've been through some of, most all of that, because I'm old, but, amen, I really don't like you, whoever said that. Okay, Chuck, you're my age, so you're old too. The worst for me out of all of it is the emotional pain of worry. It is just crushing. What it reminds me of, has anybody ever, have, has anybody ever asked you to help them move? <laughs> and you get there and they have a piano? We've probably all been there. But have you noticed that if they have a piano, they also have stairs? Always. And if you've ever tried to carry a piano out of a room, down or upstairs to get it out, it's, it's awkward. The road to get up and down is narrow, it's heavy, and that's kind of what I think worry is to me, is like moving a piano. It's just tough, and it just doesn't feel, any part of it feels good. There's a gatekeeper, here's the question. What are we going to let in? I think you don't have to learn to be a worrier. I think it comes natural. I think it comes with this earthly journey. But we're going to find out. I'm going to, we're going to listen to three biblical guys today and the take, get their take on what we do with pain that's a part of life and worry and how we deal with it. We're going to look what Jesus said. We're going to see what Paul said. We're going to look at over what James said. Three different views of it. And I think we're going to learn something from every one of these guys. How to make the right decision about worry and pain. Let's start with the most important person, and that's Jesus. So if you have your Bibles, go to Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to start in verse 25. Here's what Jesus, he commands this. If you'll, you'll read it as we read together in just a moment. But Jesus isn't making a suggestion, he's making a command. And that is, don't worry. Jesus orders us as gatekeeper of our life to not worry. Have you noticed, and I probably have told you this before, but it's an amazing thing to me. Every time there's an angelic event between their atmosphere and our world, anytime an angel has been seen throughout Scripture, it always has the same message. Don't be afraid. Don't worry. Is the almost always a part of their initial communication with whoever they're talking with. Don't be afraid. 
All right, Matthew, have you found it? Matthew 6, starting in verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry, command. Do not worry about your life. How much effort and time do we put into keeping this thing alive? It's tough. And the older you get, the more time you get. And doctors are doing well in town on our visits, I know. Or about your body, it says. What you're going to wear is life not more than food and the body more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet, your Heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Notice what Jesus said, because these are the words of Jesus out of Matthew. He's saying, don't worry about the essentials. Now, there are other parts that, of the Scripture that talks about work. It's important that we work to make provision. But he's not talking about that part of it. He's talking about the worry side of it. He says, watch what I do. He said, don't worry about life itself. Don't worry about the physical body or food you're going to drink or, or even the care for the body or clothes. Don't let, your, don't let there be a worry in those elements. Then he goes on to say and gives us the example. He said, just look out in the field. See the birds flying around. The Lord dresses them. The Lord feeds them. The Lord takes care of them. And he says, aren't you so much more valuable to him than they. So the Lord is giving us a command, just don't be worried. And if, if I could sell you a pill that says that keep you from being worried, I'd be very wealthy today, right? Because we're prone to it. I'm not sure why. Could be that in other parts of Scripture, they, it calls us, we're like sheep. And we know sheep can get terrified very quickly. I don't know if that's it, but but the Lord, our Master, says, don't let worry be a part of your existence. Even if you're fighting a physical challenge on this day, or an emotional or whatever, financial challenge, the Lord says, don't let that get to a level of worry. I've got you. I'm, I'm watching you. I'm taking care of you. In Hebrews chapter 3, you might want to turn there as well. Hebrews chapter 3, verses 12 through 19 we're going to find out where worry comes from, the, the source of worry that is in our life. You're probably not going to like it when you hear it. But there is a particular thing that happens that unleashes worry in our life. And if you're a worrier, you know, you've had people come up to you and say, don't just stand there, worry, do something, worry about this with me. If you're a worrier, this is going to step on your toes, so get your boots on. Here's what it says. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as, is it, as, long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold to our original conviction firmly to the end. As has just been said today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. Who were they who heard and rebelled? Were they not all that Moses led out of Egypt, God's children? And whom was he angry for 40 years? 
Was it not those who sinned, whose bodies perished in the wilderness? God's people again. And to whom did God swear that they would never enter his rest? And you, would you mark that in your Bibles? And to whom God did God swear that they would never enter his rest? If not to those who disobeyed. There is a rest that God gives us. And the rest is from worry. There is a God-given rest for us to be able to walk in a level of trust. But what unleashes, what unleashes our worry? It says it right here. Because of their unbelief. So I said, you're not going to hear it. But our worry is unleashed when we don't believe in God's ability to take care of us. See that they could not enter his rest. Watch it, because that's a big deal for us. If we, I hope I'm asking God to give, us, give, give you better understanding than I have the ability to explain. That there is a, when we hold an area of unbelief, that is a roadway to an area of worry in our life. If praise keeps us pressing toward God and His presence, then unbelief marches us in the opposite direction. Praise leads us back to God and we begin to declare, come magnify the Lord with me. We start looking at all that God is in our life. Provider, healer, counselor, protector, friend, completer, healer. We could go on and on. You know what His name is, right? When they ask him what his name was, I am. That means whatever you need, he says, I am. And wherever we have a place of unbelief, that is the place where worry grows. And I think we all wrestle with that at times. See, when we believe, when we truly believe, we'll be speaking that belief in our life situation. My wife is so good at that, we'll pull up to a parking lot and there's a place and she says thank you Lord for providing a place whatever situation is she's speaking all the time praise declaring it but when we muzzle ourselves and we cease declaring that the manifold presence and power of God something begins to happen we begin to weaken ourselves in our spirits I actually see our spirit almost beginning to wither when we close our lips and we, we are uh, mainly proclaiming on a daily basis our worries, our fears, our, all of this mess of this life. All of that is a withering to our soul. And, but when we declare the praise of God and the power of God and our dependence on God and the love of our God, and when we ha- when we can, there is a, a refreshing and a strengthening that happens within us. A muted Christianity is a starving Christianity that will eventually die. What if somebody turned your phone on in your pocket this week and recorded every one of your conversations all week long? Every word you said was recorded on your phone, sitting in your pocket right here. And you took the time to go back and re-listen 
to everything you said that week, this past week, how much of it would be praise and how much of it would be worry-based? Might give us an example. Might give us some understanding of the power of fear and worry and anxiety and stress that is in our life. Gatekeepers, you got it. We've got to keep sin out of unbelief and have a seeking heart and let it be a house of praise. That's why we've said from the beginning when Vicki and I, you asked us to come and be a part of you and we found that passage of scripture in Romans chapter 15 verse 13 that out of it there came a line that the Lord says I want this to be one of the main things you do at this church is to be a people of heartfelt worship because more the more we worship and praise the Lord the more full our spirit gets and the and that's when worry begins to go away from us so gatekeepers we got to keep Uh, praise coming in and worry out. Because here's what the Lord says. What has your worry added to your life? Has it given you another hour on this planet? If the, the reality is probably true, the worry that we allow has probably shortened our time on this planet. Because man, it has a negative effect on our bodies when it's happening. All right, that's what Jesus said. Now, how do we make the right decision about worry and pain? Let's see what Paul says. Would you please go to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 through 8, and we're going to see what Paul's message is about pain. We just talked about worry from Jesus' teaching. Now we're going to deal with the reality of pain that we're going to have on planet earth. We see it throughout scripture. Do not expect, even though you're a follower of Christ, that He says, it's going to rain on the just and the unjust. There's going to be difficult times in every one of our lives. I have known no one that escaped that. Even Jesus, as a matter of fact, he had some of the worst. And he was perfect. Have you found it? 2 Corinthians 1, verses 3 through 8. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction. Would you circle the next two words? And this is telling us why we're getting this comfort in our difficult times, so that, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, Let's stop just a minute. What were, think with me, what were the sufferings that Jesus went through? Can you name some of them to me? Just think about even the last week, you know, Holy Week up to, up to the crucifixion. Name some of the things, the suffering that he went through just in that one week. He was betrayed. And by the way, that's one of the worst emotional pains there is. To be rejected or betrayed. So hard to overcome. What else did he go through? Pardon? He was beaten with the cat of nine tails. Physically abused. What did Jesus go through? He was humiliated on the cross. 
He, yeah, falsely accused, judged unjustly. Can you think of anything else that he went through just in that last week? He was abandoned by the, the closest friends. Can you think of anything else? Rejected. There's that big word, rejection. Yeah, they carried the weight of all that sin. Who comforts us in all our afflictions so that we may be comforted. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, does that mean you're going to be rejected? Yes. Does that mean you're not, you're not, uh, people are going to judge you harshly and wrongly? Yes. All of these things that Jesus went through are the sufferings that He says we will. And He says every time we go through that, there is something God's building in us in this pain. It says, if we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and your salvation. If we are, and if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same suffering that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in the sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. Have you ever noticed that the people that have gone through some of the greatest pains in life, when they walk with the Lord through that pain, there is a whole new level of power of the anointing of God in their life and how it impacts us. Have you ever noticed it? It's not through our strength and our awesome talents and abilities that has much effect on anybody. But you let somebody... Claire last week opened up and said, here's a difficult, here's a weakness and a brokenness in my life. Did you see what God did through that word of that testimony last week? The, the doors of heaven opened and an anointing fell out on this place. It is in the areas of our sufferings that God, and in, in the areas of our pain, that God brings us comfort and there is an anointing that flows I probably have told you the anointing. We have some anointing oil down here somewhere. The word for that anointing oil is the word crush. When you look, at, when you look in scripture for anointing, the word behind anointing is crushed. Referring to the olive that was crushed to produce the olive oil for the anointing. It is the crushing of our life which none of us want. And I will personally avoid it at all costs if I can. But you don't get to all the time. It is through that crushing and that pain that this, there is a comfort of God, there is a power of God flowing in us and through us to impact others for the sake of the kingdom of God. Third, let's look at now at James. How do we make the right decision about worry and pain? Here's what James says. Go to James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, and then we're going to skip over to verse 14. James chapter 1. James is that practical, he's a follower of Jesus, but he was the practical teacher. Here's how you live your faith. If we, ever, we will do a study of James one of these days, but 
in when James is speaking, he's not speaking to unbelievers. He's speaking to believers saying, here's how faith functions properly. Here's what he said. Consider it pure joy. Oh, it always drove me crazy, didn't you? Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops what? Perseverance. The ability to remain, to stand, to be strong, to not be swayed. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial. For when he has stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. James says, look at the pain that will be coming to your door wanting in. You saw it the, in the sermon bumper, the video. That worry wanted to come in and bring worry into your home. But thankfully, whoever was running that door closed it and said, I don't want you in me. Don't want worry here. But then when pain came, you notice the door almost shut too. I don't want that. And then pain says, wait a minute. If you miss some of the things that God's going to be doing through this, you're going to miss a lot. So the door opens and pain was allowed to come in. It's kind of an interesting, I think, a beautiful picture. Because we're going to have pain. It's going to be a part of it. God is bringing ultimately greater perseverance. Persevere. Or as I heard one preacher say it many years ago, perseverance. And that may be right, but I threw me off all morning. To persevere. That means to be able to, no matter what's going I don't know about you, you know there's fight or flight. I'm more of the flight type guy. In a, in a crisis environment, my, I, I would love to get in my little car and run away. Or some of you would just, just say, bring it on. Let's, let's, take, let's, let's go out back right now. We'll take care of this. But we either fight or flight. And what this is saying is, even though your feet are wanting to go that way, you make your body stay and you remain faithful to the Lord in what He's teaching. Persevere under trial. Because when you have gone through that test, you will be developing this perseverance. And He goes on to say that through that development, you become mature. You start growing up. And you start being complete. Because you're no longer doing what you do for the approval of man. You're doing it for the approval of God. And you're, you find yourself remaining faithful. Because the battle or the attack does not come from the Lord. It comes from us. We have a tendency to judge and critique and hurt and tear down one another. And the Lord says, no, you're doing this for me. Stand faithful. Be found faithful. Persevere. So that's what we said. And you also get, James says, a crown of life for those who found themselves faithful and, and persevere. Don't even know for sure what all that means, the crown of life. But it is a gift. As I read in the um, apocalyptic literature, it talks about saints who take their crowns off 
when they come in the presence of Jesus, they take their crowns off and they throw them at the feet of Jesus. Maybe one of those crowns, you've persevered and you take it off on that day and you're going to throw it at his feet. But it's a crown of honor because you remain faithful. Won't you come on up? Those who face trial, and this happens a lot. If you've lived long enough, you're going to see it. Fall away. There are those who have been with us at times in the journey, but in the trial, they fell away. They did not remain. They did not persevere. And more than likely, those folks, unless something changed along their journey, are at a place where houses are full around us today of people who once went to church. But they don't go now because they got hurt. I don't know why we hurt each other, but we do. Pain is a part of this life. God is not punishing you. He's refining you. God is breaking us because... I think he ultimately wants me to know and you to know this isn't about us. And whatever we were trying to hold on there is unnecessary. Until, because the deepest level of discipleship I've learned, and there may be more because I have a lot to learn. But the deepest level of discipleship we have is when we're broken to the point we have nothing left in our hands. Nothing left in our hands, and Jesus asked, Am I enough? And if we can say, Lord, you're all I have. That's a good place to be. You're all I have left, Lord. Because he is enough in that place. I call it being at the bottom of the well, the lowest place you can go, and you've fallen off the last knot on the rope, and now you're laying in the muck and mire of that, of that well, and your hands are open, and that this, the words of this old hymn comes to my mind. Nothing in my hands I bring, simply to the cross I claim. Victory. Jesus says that's victory, when you know that I'm enough. So what are we doing today with pain? What are we doing today with worry that's a part of our life? Jesus said, remember, don't worry. It's an instruction, don't. Paul's message was, allow pain in the hands of God to prepare us for greater service. Anointing. Remember, the crushing of the olive is an anointing in, a, in the crushing of our life to be able to bring out of that ministry to others. It, it'll either turn us bitter and angry or it'll, ten, or it'll turn us broken and submitted. And that's up to you. You're the gatekeeper. You can be bitter and angry or you can surrender it and let the anointing of the Lord flow through you. And the, as we fight, face the pain, you guys can go ahead. It is here to take us to the place where we can persevere. Stand faithful. And I, I don't know. I am not an end time expert. I don't know if we're a week away from the eastern... Um, yeah, the eastern sky splitting open and the Lord returns. I don't know if we're a week away from that. I don't know if we're a thousand years away from that. But boy, it sure appears to be fulfilling all of Matthew 24 
that all of those signs of his, of his return seem to be all around us and that we are to be ready. Will you persevere? Or will you let the pain that you're going through push you to a place of bitterness? I will tell you this, bitterness will kill you and it will destroy your ministry. I've known so many people over the years in the middle of the church, right in the heart of the church, in the hurts of life, just got a little more bitter and a little more bitter and a little more bitter and their spirit became poisoned. And you know what happens? Ministry is shut off. There's no open place for ministry. But in the brokenness, if you're the olive crushed, let the oil of anointing flow. And by the way, you're the gatekeeper and you can take care of that today if God's dealing with you. Let's pray. Father, I ask you to take and help us with this issue of dealing with our worry and dealing with our pain. Lord, help us today to shut out worry and let us open our hands to you in our pain to trust you and let you become all that we have and all that we are. Lord, whatever you want us to do in each life that is here today, I just ask for an anointing of your spirit to move upon their hearts and that on this day, as the gatekeeper of their life, let them take some action that will determine that they will be a, a man and a woman broken but mighty powerful by your spirit. It's in Jesus' name we pray. I'm going to have some prayer partners who will be here. If you'd like to come and pray, the altars will be open. Would you stand?